0: Hello and welcome to the Pro Detailer Magazine podcast. We are still in Germany. We're in a lovely part of Germany, although briefly we ended up in France by accident earlier today. You know, in Strasbourg, in some strange fairground place that had Tesla chargers for some reason. Yes, a fairground with a supermarket. Very bizarre. But enough about that, more about where we are. We are at the HQ of Menzerna, and we are being joined here by none other than chemistry guru, lab technician boss of all things white-coated, Mr. Kai Ziedel. Say hello, Kai. It's it's not going to bite you. Hi. My name is Kai. I work as head
1: of the laboratory. Yeah. And um, you, how long have you been working here for? I've uh, worked for him so since 2007, so it's now over 15 years.
2: A really long time. I was about to say, you only look about 25, so did you start young? Yeah, I did start really young with 16. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 16, in like, a chemistry set. That wouldn't work as well where I'm from. <laughs>
0: That was a drug reference. Don't worry about it. Um, so, uh, when you started working for Manzona, what? Well, why did you start working for Menzona? What? What drew you to it as a sixteen-year-old? Surely, it should be football, rock and roll, girls. I mean, but Menzona?
1: Yeah, I uh, just looking for um, uh, a job, and then I will look around which possibilities are uh, there. And then I found the uh, yeah the job as a chemical lab assistant. So it's uh, three and a half years for training. Mm-hmm. So that's was the reason I, why I started, you know, with 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 16 you don't w- what to do in life, yes. just want to earn
0: money and do yes. do something. Yeah, I mean that's worked for lots of people. Getting into chemicals at that sort of age. Mm-hmm. Um, did you at school were you into chemistry at all, or what? What was kind of your your thing?
1: Yeah, that, that's the thing. I, I was really interested in chemistry, and the important thing for me is chemistry is in everything. So with this uh,
0: training, I could do a lot of other. Jobs. I have a lot of possibilities. Mm-hmm. So, but you stuck with Menzena for a yeah. long time. So it turns out that when it comes to chemistry, your real thing is is making abrasives. Yeah, that's that's what that's what gets you up in the morning, as they say. Yeah, definitely. <laughs>
2: yeah. Funny because people say I have an abrasive personality. So
0: probably want to <laughs> study me a little. Put him under the microscope. um And we have been wandering around this amazing HQ. And there are little bits and bobs that we've seen, particularly your lab is very smart indeed. Um, and you're in charge of how many people working in your lab? In the lab, we are six. But with uh, the department
1: for the, with the colleagues from the safety department, we are we are nine no,
0: so. so nine white coats. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, and you showed us lots of cool pieces of equipment, which we'll probably go on to talk about. But in the meantime... Um, One thing that's interested me is developments of compounds over time, because uh, in the olden days, by which I mean the 1990s, it's what old people like me remember in kind of black and white, um, compounds were much simpler than they are now. Um, And then with the development of various things from a hardware point of view, like the the long throw dual action, for example, um, and with compounds has now made paint correction and detailing easier than ever. Um, and on that basis, could you tell us a little bit about the developments in compounds during your time in the last, what, 15 years? Um, you know, what what has changed? What's what's kind of the new cool stuff? Obviously, I appreciate there's some very secret stuff you can't tell us. But if it is secret, all you do is whisper it very quietly, and then it'll be fine.
1: Yeah, we see a lot of change for the for the clear code. So we have to adjust our formulations. We have to use new type of abrasive compound. So we uh, we have to use new type of solvents, something like that. We have to adjust the formulations for to work for the new polishing machines like the DA. Mm-hmm. So we have to do a lot of changes just for the raw materials, to to mix together new raw materials, something like that.
0: So I remember it was, it must have been three or four years ago now, it was before COVID, I think, when you um, brought out water-based stuff. Because as you said, all the stuff with the solvents before, those solvents are no longer ideal to use um and so people are moving towards solve uh, to water-based compounds and stuff was that that was a big shift for you mm, yeah but normally all of the polish
1: are water-based but you put solvents inside you have to to work on the solvents you have to use other type of solvents which are less hazardous
0: so that's gotcha. okay that, that are the big changes we we do right now so they still have solvents it's just that yep. they're not as dangerous so i imagine lower voc and that yeah. sort of thing yeah um, no, that's, that's all interesting. And uh, today in the lab, you showed us the different um, powders, the, the aluminium oxide powders, and it was absolutely fascinating because I, I guess, and I think you said that the most important thing in a compound is the abrasive, the yeah. powder. Yeah. And you work with various suppliers to create you bespoke powder for Menzerna. Yeah,
1: we, we uh, work for especially for the development of new products. We get in contact with our suppliers and uh, yeah, discuss uh about our needs mm-hmm. and then we try to develop a new aluminum oxide that fit our needs so we do a lot of tests we give feedback to the to the suppliers and then they do the other samples for for us and then we put it in the
0: formulation again do the test and it give goes back the numbers yeah it's it takes a long time doesn't yeah it? and you have an in-house detailer who tests everything who we met this morning as well what, what remind me in what was he called Freddie. Freddie. yeah and Freddie has a whole zone. I'm I mean, looking- not just a
2: detailer, far, far in advance of a detailer, because he was working with OEMs directly and manufacturers of everything outside of cars to find solutions. So he goes out to major corporations and and, and does on-site work to try and solve um, specific process issues. problems. Yeah,
0: and it was and it's it's not obviously just not uh, and he can detail. Yeah. It doesn't make me feel small at all. It's fine. <laughs> Um, and it was. It's, uh, bear in mind, we, we have to remember, Menzerna don't just make um, compounds for lacquered paints. You make compounds for. Do you do stone polishing? Even no, not stone bosh, polishing, but for for metals, for uh, uh, yeah,
1: for pretty much anything you can rub. Everything you could polish for smartphones, oh. everything,
2: <laughs> or plastics, and everything. I well had, had, a, had a, a shelf full of the um, the examples of things they managed to make shiny, nice, and quickly for for people downstairs. But yeah. so Menzana started as a sort of jewellery polishing didn't it and then moved into metals primarily and it was what what, when did you start getting more into the the car paint technology any ideas
0: i'm I'm, guessing long before 2007 i'm I'm, I'm (laughs) looking further along the table (laughs) why would these The, the, the people in the room are also very young like us but I mentioned that they that they know a bit more about the history. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. Um so in terms of, you know, manzana has got a very long history. Do you do you know much about that history or are you much more interested in like the present and the future? Um, I just know the the,
1: the yeah, the details from the history, but we are just yep. living in the present, look for the future for for development is always looking in the future, it's not
0: looking back. So that's true. Well, speaking of the future, when it comes to developing new products, the one thing you showed us, obviously, you showed us the iron oxide. And, of course, I just have to point out, just before we're about to go on a plane, aluminium, aluminium oxide, that's yeah. The, 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 the other one's the one you try and avoid. <laughs> rust. <laughs> no, I live around rust. Um, but, yes, just before we got on a plane, you made us dip our fingers into white powder. So now we're going to go to the airport looking like we might be selling something else. That's, 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 yeah, that's... It, it's going to be interesting. We might, we might get arrested. Uh, if not, I'll tell them to call you. Um, but when you when you get these products through, one of the big things you deal with is you get these powders through and you uh, are, I imagine, ordering in tons or tens of tons. And it's your responsibility as well to make sure that what the supplier has brought to you this time is consistent and it is what you want. What, what, what process do you do when, when the postman comes with your two tons of white powder?
1: Yeah, so we do the full incoming control. We get a sample from the from the pellets from from the plant then we measure the particle size we do a manual polishing test to get yeah to get the data for the for the polishing behavior which which is the most important for this uh, type of raw materials then we we check um, the oil observation how much oil could the powder bind so yeah we do a lot of different tests it really depends from the material we have to check so
0: and that's every time something comes in yeah gosh so for the rest of us post time is fine because we get letters but for you it's like oh no, no. <laughs> and the um you showed us what you can have to remind me what the name is but a very fancy machine that you essentially put powder in at one end and for laymen for stupid people like me at the other end comes a graph at, actually on, on like a computer screen but there's a graph and this graph you said is like a fingerprint for your polishes
1: yeah what, what's that called? That's the uh, particle size distribution. Which, uh, with this, we could measure the uh, the size of the uh, particles inside, and then we could uh, check if are, is the, the right amount of fine particles, of coarse particles inside. So it's really, really important, because if you have um, too much, too big particles inside, you get scratches you don't want. Mm-hmm. If the powder is too fine, you don't have enough cut. So it's really, really important.
0: To be consistent on that. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, looking then at the Menzerna line, Menzerna, certainly in the UK at least, has been a permanent presence for any detailer. I can guarantee you can go into any detailer who's been around the block and in his cupboard. He will probably have lots of things you don't want to see, but he'll also have some Menzerna in there. And 400 is perhaps the most popular among them because it's such a flexible compound. Yeah. Um, and I believe HCC 400 is a, is a bestseller, isn't it, for you guys? Yeah, it's one of the best sellers and um what what do you think is really special about the product why do you think it does so well
1: yeah because it's the combination of a uh, really good cut and uh, um the surface you get after the the really good gloss the really good condition condition of the surface you get after you for most of the cars you don't need a second step just for the black ones but when you go for a red or blue car you don't in it my opinion yeah. it's just a one step compound it really and it offers a really great cut which but also a really good surface after polishing. That's So what, that's what's the
0: yeah, yeah what all the customers want. It is the holy grail, isn't it? Something that can refine down the best at the same time as taking out the biggest defects. Um, with the uh, testing side, because obviously you do testing from a kind of chemical perspective, um, and there is obviously comparative testing, but we go to a lot of manufacturers, and they have what I always call the special cupboard. And in the special cupboard is all their competitor products. Yeah so that they can benchmark their products? Because there's no point bringing out a product. You know, if I was a different manufacturer and I bought out something to compete with 400, I would want to make sure it's better than 400 before I release it. Otherwise, I'm going to look very silly. What do you benchmark? What, when you're building something, when you've got a new product on the line and they say, right, it's got to be the best in the market, what do you reach for? Who do you think, right, we've got to beat these people to make it good enough a market?
1: Yeah, we just uh, take a, a good uh, overlook of the market. We check all the compounds, which are the competitors. Mm-hmm. So we're looking for the one-step compounds. Then we, we test it against each other. And
0: then we see which one is the best. And what we could do better than the best ones. So. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, a lot of manufacturers, they'll all say that they want to bring out a product that's got to be better than everyone else. But uh, how long does it take to develop? Uh, say, uh, I mean, I don't know, were you around when 400 was developed or was that before your time? No, I am I was around. So. That. Yeah. How, how long did it take from an idea to a bottle on a shelf? Uh,
1: it really depends. So sometimes there are products which go really fast this would be around half or a year. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we need more than two years because it really depends from the from the suppliers also. And from all the other departments in the company, we have to check all these
0: uh, safety uh, regulations. Yeah. So it's a really, really big... Uh, big undertaking, big yeah. project. I suppose, because if you're going back to them and say, right, to your suppliers we need this change they could take a month doing that yeah or longer and then and then once you've got it and you're ready for say beta testing sending it out to people say what do you think and then it's got to come back again get all the sds documentation written up for it get the then you've got to talk to the marketing department they've got to design you a label that can take a year or so i would imagine because they've got to have you know all their meetings with teas and coffees and square room glasses and throw ideas around and spitball and stuff like that and um, so once you've done all of that, you then have got to introduce it to your trading partners. So you've got to talk to, I guess, your sales, your distribution. You've got to educate them about it. And then it gets onto the, sh- the, the shops. And then you've got to promote it to your customers and remind them, hey, there's something new. You've got to try it. So, yeah, I can see what it takes a couple of years to, to get to that stage. Um, how, would, how do you describe the men's zone line to be structured? Because this is another topic is in terms of names, because you have so many polishes, you have to use quite we use a lot of numbers for example for your your polishes so if you've only got one or two you could call your polish you know fine cut and coarse cut yeah but because you've got so many you need to have a real structure How, how do you kind of design that system
1: yeah, this is uh, really hard for us from the lab because we have internal numbers for the re- for the formulations. So, <laughs> so <laughs> it's, yeah, it's exactly. like we have a completely other uh, naming system. But yeah, to to describe the system, we have the uh, the standard products, the standard range, mm-hmm. which works in most of the cases. But if you're needing some something uh, with a more special uh, application, you could change it to a special product. We uh, Normally, you have two or three products in the same um, in the same segment, mm. to you, which you can change. You can swap them around. Yeah, That's you real. can swap them around. Uh, some people want a much more oily product, or want a a product with uh, that works with lamb's wool or something like that. Mm. You could could change it like uh, for what application you need. So it really depends. But when we the the standard products are uh, mostly used for, yeah. For the most applications but if if there is a special
0: need we find you, you find a solution for it yeah. and actually this is something we weren't able to get photos of this because it was top secret and i got some very dirty looks and not allowed to take photos of this at all but imagine a whiteboard that is as long as two rooms stuck together it's about six meters yeah having the rooms yeah almost for a standard <laughs> measurement um that is as say so tall as a six foot tree <laughs> <laughs> It's about ten meters long, all right, and it's long, um, and it is a. It's kind of an ideas and development progress board, and it stretches the length of your lab. That's that's how long it is, I and mean, we did have photos of that. Um, and uh, so at the beginning, you have all these ideas, and staff are encouraged. And I imagine it's mostly kind of guys like you with the big brains who thought, "Oh, let's try and have a go at this for the project." And then the kind of management, the steering committee, they say, "Oh, we like the idea of this. Let's put this forward." And then you know maybe the marketing department come in, and they say, "Oh, yeah, we can sell this. This works." and then it kind of goes along progression and there's about five or six different stages it's got to get through that's really cool isn't it
1: yeah yeah that's that's how we have to um have to work because there are always a lot of ideas we get ideas from customers we we do the the uh, ideas by ourselves so that's we cannot work on all projects we have to decide uh, which project we work so the uh, colleagues have to bring the correct numbers. We have. They have to tell how much tons they want to sell of this yeah. compound, something like that. And then, yeah, then, then, then the the head of the company and the directors of R and D, marketing, and products discuss together which product we work on. And then after that, then you I, get the orders go. Yeah, yeah. yeah I got, I got I got the the order by by my director, and then we would start with uh, brainstorming. What we, what raw materials we could use, what are the competitive, competitor products, something like that. You just want to, to get an impression for the project. Then we make a detailed uh, project plan, mm-hmm. which, yeah, it, it's called the stage gate process. We have a lot of uh, milestones. We always have to check if what we do is if it's right, if we are on the right, on the right way. Mm-hmm. Because in development you. Can do a lot of things and we have to do it efficiently so we always have to do check the numbers are we on the right
0: way or i can imagine i mean it's great if you develop say this amazing new product say look it's absolutely perfect the bottle looks cool the product works really well the only problem is it's a million pounds and they'll be like well yeah no we're not going to sell this are we do now on that board um the the little kind of what do you call them the, the markers the things with the ideas on Have how, how many of those are on that are your ideas uh um, not so much <laughs> not so much are there any when you read that board in the morning and you see that somebody has come up with an idea and you're thinking i don't have a clue how that's going to work and you're hoping it doesn't you're hoping oh, no no push that down the board again okay. knock it onto the floor <laughs> yeah. like, whoops that's gone i'll a chance or there's some that you say hey that's gonna be really fun to develop i want to have a go at that and you just kind like, of just move it up the board nobody's looking you just go like oh, that yeah there we go Do you ever get that or are you bet well behaved good employee uh both
1: <laughs> no that that <laughs> that that's exactly the point there are some projects that are uh, more fun than the others but yeah we it's always fun because we are really uh free in how to get to this goal so we are really flexible we could make it with our own ideas mm-hmm. we just we just uh, have to uh, make sure that we reach the goal so mm-hmm. but the way uh to the goal is depends from the
0: often, from yeah. the employee and yeah yeah and yeah because you were saying on that on that long whiteboard of plans I remember the only one I remember is analysis and then what was the other one you called something gating yeah we do the the analyst then we do the what we call development
1: mm-hmm. in which we mix the new samples and then we do the the, the the tests yeah with the samples but sometimes yeah and then we do the uh, tests with the customers we test it on customers. We test it with, with customers or with experts from the from the market too. Right. Because when we when we we, we 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 do a lot of polishing uh, by ourselves, but it's just only uh, our opinion, our view.
0: Yeah, and, you, and, and you need yeah. somebody who's going to give you the truth, don't you? you yeah, say, oh, this is brilliant. This yeah. is brilliant. Yeah,
1: uh, it's not useful. And and a lot of methods are uh, standardised in the, in the lab, so we just do the standard process and do that, so we can compare the results. Yeah, but we don't uh, change the machine. We do it all with one uh, type of pad with one machine, and just to that we could compare it. We can do. We cannot uh, cover all all the other.
0: Yeah, you can't cover. Maybe you're polishing in the rain, upside down, using a goat's wool pad on a crane. You know, you can't simulate that. Yeah, you but could. You, but well, you just could. Very Pointless. Yeah, you need somebody idiotic to do that with a mains power drill in the rain.
2: I do mean, actually uh, by the hour. Do you actually do any polishing yourself? Do you, yeah. you keep your own car polished up? And does that kind of does, have you ever taken anything home from your experiences yeah. there and, and, and tweaked formulations like that? Yeah, we we do a, a lot of polishing by ourselves because it's the,
1: the really uh, good point in development when we change the the formulation that we could see by our own eyes. How it affects the polishing results, and then we get we get a better understanding for our development. So we mm. we, we just polish with the uh, standard process. So, but we do a lot of polishing by ourselves in the lab, and then we give it to to the colleagues to Freddy from mm. the application,
0: and he runs a lot of more tests. Gotcha. So after all of this, after all these developments, and obviously everything is kind of very similar because it's an abrasives company. Um, but what product is your favorite product in the manzerna portfolio
1: yeah my uh, favorite is the uh, three in one on stem comp- okay. compound because it's yeah it's easy it's, 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 it's well lubricated it's it's easy and it covers most of the of the needs you have a good cut you get a perfect uh, surface after that you got also a little bit of sealant on it so it's for me it's always about efficiency
0: so this is the most efficient product in our in our range for me, and that that includes kind of waxes and and does it? Would you admit to it including fillers, or is it just the wax as the focus on it? Because I know it offers some sort of protection, doesn't it? Afterwards, hence being a three in one, um, and it, it, I mean, how would you describe it? In
2: well, so Freddie was going through this earlier downstairs, and it's very much aimed at those that are just trying to. Get a car ready for sale, for example. So you're not looking to get rid of absolutely every harsh mark on there, but you're looking to give the entire car a lift, give it enhancement, take away minor scratches. So it will take you from that uh, medium cut points down through fine cut and leave you with a protected finish. So all in in one step. So as long as you're not looking for absolute perfection, you're looking for vast improvement, and you're when you're getting rid of ninety percent. 95% of the marks on there with one hit and you're mm-hmm. leaving just those 5% deep scratches that can just be irritating in the background and if the new purchaser wants to fix those then the, he can pay a detailer and yeah. more them willing to <laughs> yeah, who has got F400s yeah. yeah yeah so so it's 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 all about um targeting a specific market
0: yeah well I have to admit with that product what I like is ease of use as it's it you can't make a mistake yeah. very easily so well for it's a really
1: Easy to use product and it's really, yeah, the results speak for itself. So when I uh, polish the the cars for my friends, I mostly use the three in one because it's the, yeah,
0: yeah it's the, the, the fastest and the easiest way. So do you get asked a lot by your friends to polish their car? Yes. All the time,
1: yeah. uh, Yes. I started for one friend, and then, you know, they they uh, talk to your other
0: friends, and then they come to me, oh, can you polish? See, the mistake you made was that first yeah. friend. What you should say is, I'm a chemist. I don't do manual labour. you know, go and take it yeah. to a detailer, and then talk to a detailer, get commission off a detailer for all the people you send in that direction. Yep. Hey-ho, too late now. Anyway, right, well, we are going to take a little break now, and after that, we're going to come back and talk about some more detailing topics, focusing on abrasion auto mechanica 2023 widely known as the most important trade show for the uk automotive industry with over 500 leading exhibitors taking part it's on at the nec in birmingham between the 6th and 8th of june and brand new for 2023 we have a dedicated detailing area as well as the detailing live hub Industry educators UK Detailing Academy are hosting practical demonstrations, manufacturer showcases and answering all of your detailing related questions. So visit the Auto Mechanic of Birmingham website today to book your free ticket. And we're back. We are still at the home of Menzona which is in Ottingham. Otting, how do you pronounce it? Uttingham. Uttingham. Oh, I love no, that. No, not like that either. Oh, no, but I'm going to use that forever. That sounds so cool. Um, and it's a, uh, the Manzana HQ. We've been walking around. If you look in issue 17 of the Pro Detail Magazine, when it comes out in July, you will be able to see behind the scenes at Manzana. We've been wandering around all the different elements of it. Um, and it's a really cool part of the world. We're very close to France. Um, and we're surrounded by some reason for factories which use Unimogs. So if you are a Unimog fan, it is well worth coming just for the Unimogs. So yeah. it is flocking out the front thing. door, weren't they? I, I just, <laughs> I like a good uniball. Um, anyhow, anyhow, we are joined here by Kai Seidel, who is the uh, basically king chemist. Do you have king chemist? Top chemist? Head chemist? Emperor? Emperor chemist. Um, his test tubes are bigger than everybody else's. So uh, we want to talk about uh, aluminium oxide, a.k.a. the abrasives that you get in compounds. Could you tell us how they're made?
1: Yeah, they're made in a process called uh, calcination. There are, yeah, the, the main, the former form is aluminum hydroxide. Then they go through a big oven with uh, 1500 degrees. And then there is the so-called calcination process.
0: So what, why is it called calcination? Because calcination kind of sounds like calcium, but what, what what's the history of that name? What What is it actually doing? Or is it just basically cooking them? It's just cooking them. It's just, it's a biochemistry no. term for cooking. No, I, I'm not sure why it's called calcination, to be honest. I mean, can you do it in a microwave at home or probably not? I think you don't get this high temperatures to to do it. It's true. That's true. Okay. So, sorry, I interrupted you. You're 1500 degrees in an oven. The aluminium it's all toasty warm. What happens next? And then it uh, comes out of the oven. It gets cooled down and then it
1: gets uh, milled to the different sizes or they they go and
0: then it gets packed and come to Manzano, So And then it comes into your office and you can test it to make yeah. sure they've done the job correctly.
2: It's yes. <laughs> quite interesting that n- none of the the, the products are uh, natural. If you like they're not, uh, there's not aluminium oxide mills out, um, farms, mines, you got, trees, uh, my trees. Yes, Pluts, <laughs> mango up and down with a combine harvester that just sheds, sheds its blades every six miles because it's cutting through the raw aluminium oxide. No, that it's that it's all it's it's all lab uh, growned, It groaned, Yes, it's, it's synthetic. Been, it's been a long a four is... days. I <laughs> can't do I can't do language anymore. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's a synthetic product, and that's why we, why it offers so so uh, much opportunities. Because they could design the the shape of the crystal, they could design the the size of the active rates and every everything like that. It's done in the
0: calcination process and in the the milling after. So I'd love to know how you. I just can't get my head around how you can like change the shape of a crystal in that i know it's all secret stuff but how do you make you know if you want a crystal that is say star shaped do you just cook it at a different temperature than if you wanted it round i mean is that how what's how do they control that
1: yeah it's controlled by temperature and by time how long it takes to go through through the through the oven. so it's but it's
0: it's it's a bit of a skill by the sounds of it yeah 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 and that's 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 the ip of your suppliers as well so there's not much you can give away.
2: Is it just one hardness for for aluminium oxide, or can you? Is that variable at all, or is that just a case of no? You know, you're, you've got this um, one single hardness, and you can multiply that or move it by combining different uh, different uh, molecules of aluminium oxide together. Molecules again, words.
0: Molecules. Is it a molecule? Crystals. Crystals. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um,
1: it uh, depends, but normally we use alpha alpha aluminium oxide, so which is the hardest form. It has the most hardness around nine. When you think about it, diamond is 10, so it's the hardest material on earth. So, with this most hard, hardness, uh, with nine, we could
0: polish everything except diamonds. <laughs> and that, um, hardness rating that kind of alpha aluminium is that based on for example the purity of the aluminium or where it is mined from are there some aluminium bauxite mines in the world where you know it's kind of like this is where the good stuff comes from
1: yeah it it depends from the from the from the raw material for the aluminium oxide it's uh, bauxite Mm -hmm. which could be um, mined all over the world but the really really um, interesting
0: point is the processing and the calcination process so this is where the Difference has made, yeah. Yeah, oh, it's a shame. I was hoping to get the inside line of where what the best sort of aluminium was to get, whether maybe Australian aluminium was good and Hungarian aluminium wasn't. If you were a piece of aluminium oxide, what language would you say? he's been experimenting with drugs again um so uh that is that's how we got the calcination and then it comes to you and then it gets blended and mixed and pulverized and put into into solutions and bottles that you can buy in the shops today um and then the other side we want to talk about a little bit was the kind of the human health and safety side and um what makes uh, compounds potentially potentially dangerous because we presumed it would be the dust, all these little bits of aluminium in the air. But you were saying earlier that actually they're coated with oils and liquids and stuff, so they're not small enough to be dangerous. And that it is basically down to the solvents, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it is. We use a lot of different uh, chemicals, so which uh, everything could be dangerous, but we always try to fulfill all regulations. There are, there are a lot of regulations in there, all uh every year getting harder mm. to fulfill these regulations we have two people working in the safety department just to check all these regulations two full time chemists full time chemists which we give our formulation from the lab and then they say is it good or can we can we sell it or <laughs> <laughs> is it going to kill people too, yeah. yeah
2: yeah
0: are they out of interest are the safety data sheet people are they the cool guys in the chemistry hierarchy are they the ones that everybody wants to be or do you think you're at a kind of cooler level in chemistry? When you go to a, a chemistry meeting of chemists every year, and you have your, you know, you go partying and stuff, are the SDS chemists the, they're the cool guys the, or not?
2: They're the rock stars. Yeah, yeah,
1: they're the rock stars because they understand all the regulations and what you could mix together
2: to make a sellable product. So, oh, and it just... means they're rock stars because it means that you don't have to
0: read all of the <laughs>
2: stuff. Yeah, problem. You, you can just do the fun stuff in, in the yeah app. Yeah.
0: <laughs> No, that's so cool. I I, I love the idea of an, an an industry where the ones who know the most are the cool guys because where I come from, are the ones who know the most are always the sad ones who get beaten up behind the bike sheds. But uh, um, do you think you know something? Like that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just sitting here, bleeding and crying at the same rate. Anyway,
2: so PPE is probably is the 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 big missing link um, in terms of safety rather than what's being created by by you in the laboratory you can only make things so safe you can tick all the boxes say yes this is as safe as it can possibly be we've reduced the amount of solvent as far as we can because even a, a water-based product is still still contains solvents just more water than anything yeah. else so the, the 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 biggest sort of safety risks are for people who get it on their skin who work with it in enclosed conditions for or every day, if you like, uh, without ventilation, so they're breathing in whatever's left over. Um, solvents being absorbed through the skin, potentially getting. Light. So, if you're not wearing PPE, you're you might as well just not use the latest, safest thing, because it's, it, it's still going to potentially cause you problems if you're if you're not following the guidance and the the, the basic instructions on the bottle. Yeah, definitely. Uh,
1: just wear your safety clothes. Wear your safety goggles because when
0: you even when you get hot water in your eye <laughs> you you could uh... well, I was about to say i mean 400 great products but you know when the 400 is really bad it's when it's in your eyeball then it's really bad. Yeah, that well, whole cut thing, that's not so good. Unless you've got a
2: scratched eyeball and if you do this really fast, <laughs> <it's> in, uh, <laughs> and it, it slowly breaks down over time sure. and if you use the 3-in-1, uh, the three, three then you get a nice gloss of waxed
0: finish over it as well. Yeah, but the key is what you need to do is then squirt your panel wipe over the top to make sure you haven't left any fillers in there and that also really stings like a bitch. But um, yeah, no, I can I can see talking to our health and safety representative and just ideas of this is, is not, it's not positive. So... <laughs> Shall we Shall we move on to the 10 quick fire questions? Uh, and we are going to look inside the mind of a head chemist and see what... There you go. There's a hint. Brilliant. Now, what, Kai, do you drive? What is your daily driver? What is this? I mean, I'm imagined we're taking stretch limos with dancing girls in the back of it. I drive Ford Focus. Okay. What did you have before the Ford Focus? A Ford Focus. <laughs> okay. Okay. So if you had all the money in the world all the money and you were like these these star safety chemists you know you were the you were the, the lottery winners uh and you had uh and you could buy a car what would that car be lotus elise which is a really cool choice why do you like the lotus elise uh because i just saw it in a in a game we need
1: for speed a few years ago and this was the, the first car i drove in the game and i really liked the, the shape and the, it's
0: yeah Okay, well, there are lots of other good reasons, like how it's lightweight, it's mid engined yeah. I-, I, I, I think we're not in the presence of a car, man. That's that's my, that's my sense. <laughs> we're doing engine codes here. Um, so I'm going to move on next. What is the first car that you ever polished seriously, that you ever detailed?
1: Yeah, it was my own, my first Ford Focus. <laughs> I'm, I'm
0: seeing a theme here. Yeah. Um. So when you are washing, and it's just you in the car, and nobody else is watching how many buckets do you like to use go for two buckets go for two buckets good man good man um when it comes to the rubby rub the polishing the bit that you're kind of the expert in would you use a rotary machine or a da machine i would use the da because of the better finish okay interesting because the rotary can correct more and when you're designing chemicals when you're designing abrasives for a rotary are they is there one that's easier than the other is it easier for a rotary or is it harder for a a, a rotary
1: Mm, it depends uh, most of the products are uh, suitable for both machines, but some products work better with the rotary for the for the uh, high
0: content. cutting yeah. high cutting compounds and the medium cut and the finish uh, work better with the DA. So just to take that a step further in terms of the actual medium so uh foam or microfiber or wool what do you find the most the easiest to develop a product for do you find it, is it wool really difficult to actually make a a, a good abrasive because it's so absorbent or do you find that foams are pain what what what's your kind of was your favorite and least favorite um
1: uh, my favorite is uh foam because mm-hmm. we develop mostly for foams um and uh, yeah and but I changed. don't like the the lamps wool because it's always so dirty to polish with lamps wool. You always have a lot of sprinkles and yeah. something
0: like that. It is dirty process. Yeah. Dirty process, but someone has got to do it, I suppose. Um okay, you finished polishing your your full focus. No, let's go to Dreamland, your your lotus elise. Um, and you want to protect against the elements. Would you use a coating, ceramic coating or a wax? I would use the wax because of the better uh, looking wet finish. Mm, the warmth. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Okay, so we are asking. Obviously, we're in Germany, so this is the the, the kind of the precursor to this. But uh, if you had to have a Ferrari or had to have a Porsche, which would you have? I would have the Porsche. And a much more important question. Um, and uh, yeah, you've got to think carefully before you answer it. Uh, Subaru or Mitsubishi? Mitsubishi. Sweat <laughs> so uh, or repairs. Don't worry, this is disappointed face. Um flex or repairs? Um flex. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So your Sunday. It's your Sunday. You've done all your chores, you've done the family stuff, you've done church, you've done work, you it's just you and your Ford focus. Do you spend your time cleaning it and detailing it? Or do you head for the hills and go out for a spirited drive? I go out for the spirited drive. Yeah, because I do the detailing a lot of in work. So <laughs> it's a fair point that if you're involved with abrasives all, all week, the last thing you want to yep. do is start playing with the weekend.
2: Yeah, well, yes, but you can always uh, put it down as overtime. Ooh, that's yeah, a point. Yes. It's all of testing, and it's uh, if you do it the weekend, it's time and a half. So.
0: Yeah. Testing and double rated. That's pretty pretty good. We 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 can't help but help people. Coming, we? we're very helpful. We're very helpful people. How Let's we? help these people by leaving.
2: <laughs>
1: well, normally, <laughs> I use the cars of my friends for for testing new compounds. So, I yeah. don't, don't, yeah, don't, don't want to risk it
0: on my own because you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that's cool. Well, anyway, look, it has been awesome fun, and uh, thank you very much for showing us your lab and all your machines. And as I say, it'll all be an issue seventeen of the magazine because you've got some. Very cool machines that do some very cool things. And I did sneak some photos of them. So as long as we get that through the photo police, uh, we'll be able to publish them and explain what they do. And I've got lots of photos you. So if anybody's wondering what Kai looks like, uh, what a super chemist looks like, well, we're going to we're gonna reveal him to you. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you very much, Kai. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I had a great time too. <laughs> cool. Well, it's goodbye from me. Mm. It's goodbye
1: from me. Well, goodbye from me you